Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We have to give the fans a plan, and we have to make sure the fans understand the plan. Harris drilled him with a right hand, then missed with a wild right, lands a right to the shoulder. We have to make changes. The players know that. They're aware of it. Seven Bouchard, it's his first in the AHL. People want to be part of the process, and then they buy into the plan. This is Ryan Eugene Hopkins. This is Oscar Platt. This is Milan Lucci. This is Connor McDavid from your Edmonton Oilers. This is Oil Country. And this is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. Now, Bob Stoffer on the official radio station of your Edmonton Oilers. 630 Shed. Juice is flowing when I'm behind the microphone. Brendan Escott here in for Bob Stoffer today on Oilers Now. We got a fun one, as we always do. But there's a lot to talk about with the way that the NHL playoffs have shaken down. A wild one last night, double overtime, and the Carolina Hurricanes upset the defending Stanley Cup champions. The bunch of jerks get it done on the road. In the opening series, and that sets up yet another interesting second round series. And that's going to be the theme of today's show, which, as you know, on Thursday features the heavy hitters. We've got Louis DeBras coming up at 1235. Before that, though, a real live Leafs fan in studio with me. You might remember him from back in the fall between... The old Brendan and the new Brendan. It's Brad Whisker. He'll step in at 12.20 and we'll talk. Uh, we'll get his thoughts just, you know, being a Leafs fan and, and what transpired there. They did have their um, their exit interviews with Kyle Dubas, Mike Babcock, and everybody else. So we can get some thoughts on that from Brad as well. As mentioned, Louis DeBrusque, 12.35, 105. It's Brian Burke, presented by Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication and solar. 135. We'll bring back the round table. No Bob, but Bob has sent me his picks. We will connect with Jack Michaels. Reed Wilkins will be in studio as well. And we'll go over the first round and we'll preview the second round. Again. Fun show. It's all brought to you by Digitex. P 
PCs, copiers, supplies, printers, laptops, IT, plotters, software, and now Digitex can manage your corporate cell phone plan, saving your company money. All your devices managed at digitex.ca. You want to get in touch? You can do so on the Oilers Now hotline. That's 780-496-0063. Brought to you by the River Cree Resort Casino. They do have funny man Wayne Brady at the River Cree tomorrow night. Tickets at Ticketmaster.ca. And of course, do not neglect that Heartland Ford text line. 630-630. Don't buy a new or pre-owned Ford without giving Heartland a chance. Experience the difference of Heartland Ford. So, we mentioned it off the top. Only one game last night. It was a big one. And it just seems like greasy goals... Well, that's how you have to score in the playoffs to win, right? It slows down, it gets ugly, and it can get physical and whatever. And you know what? As we dive into the direct workwear audio vaults, we find out exactly uh, exactly how that results. And that is the Carolina Hurricanes, again, sneaking past the Washington Capitals into the second round. That sets up a date with the Islanders. Let's hear how it sounded. That is courtesy Direct Workwear for product knowledge, compliancy, great pricing and innovation. DirectWorkwear.com, an Edmonton-based company. This is the Hurricanes Radio Network in double overtime. Brock McGinn with the winner. It's Backstrom and Williams. Williams goes forward. To the corner now, Orlov for Niskanen, shouldered by Williams to the point, cradled by Slavin through the slot, and back up Terrabine and Williams, Abajo, they score! Hey, hey, what do you say? The Canes win in overtime! It is seventh heaven, and the Carolina Hurricanes have advanced to the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs! Did I say 3-2 off the top? It was 4-3 was the final. Again, Brock McGinn with a goal and an assist. 25 minutes of ice time there for the youngster. And realistically, you break it down, and Carolina dominated many aspects of that game. They out-hit Washington 60-43. to They uh, they had more takeaways, 10-7. to They led that. Uh, Capitals did block quite a few more shots, but you know what? Best time of year. Anybody can take it down. It's that simple. So, what is that set up? Again, Carolina and the Islanders. So, that is your wild card seed going against your number two. Columbus and Boston, that series gets underway tonight. Uh, that's going to be a heavy one. That'll be a fun one to watch for sure. And I, uh, I understand Boston's going to load up on some bigger bodies to try and combat Columbus and their physicality. I'm curious, and you can text me this on uh, the Heartland Ford text line, 630-630. Who's the favorite now? Is it St. Louis? Is it San Jose? Is it Boston? What do you think? I put the poll out on Twitter yesterday. Are you still watching the playoffs? Because there's no Canadian... uh, Well, there's obviously plenty of Canadian content. No Canadian teams, though. 25 years. 25 years without a Stanley Cup in Canada. I don't even know what it's like. 1993, the Montreal Canadiens. I don't need to tell you that. I wasn't alive at that time. That is insane to think we've gone a quarter of a century without a Canadian Stanley Cup champion. So Columbus, Boston, Carolina and the Islanders. That's out east. Colorado and San Jose. That's a real clash of styles, I think. Colorado has gotten it done with speed and skill, and San Jose gets it done with veteran experience. Some veteran bodies out there, and 
you know what? They find a way. Plus, you got Brent Burns and Eric Carlson in your decor. Like, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna have some success when that's the case. Dallas St. Louis. This could be a very fun series. I think that's where my heart lies right now. Is with St. Louis to come out of the West. I think uh, they've been right there, knocking on the door for so long. Well, now they're pounding on the door. They're a deep squad. And if Jordan Bennington can uh, continue the Cinderella story between the pipes, I think they've got a good shot to come out of the West. Who do they face? We'll find out later in the show. We'll talk all about it. Curious to see what uh, what you think. Again, you know, you can send me your picks. Who's the favorite right now? What is what does the Stanley Cup final look like? Other than very different from what we originally projected. We went through a couple weeks ago before the playoffs started. Myself. Bob, Jack, Reed. And we all talked about who we thought was going to face off in the Stanley Cup Finals. Well, every single team that each of us picked has been eliminated. In fact, Jack Jack was the only one who went 500. He went 4 for 8 picking the series. And uh, Bob went 1 for 8. I went 2 for 8. Reed went 3 for 8. Tampa Bay, Calgary was the consensus. And, uh, yeah, that's not happening. Another piece of news that we should note, too. Uh, Connor McDavid, for the third year in a row, up for the Ted Lindsay Award, which is uh, the league's most valuable player, as voted by members of the NHLPA. I think this one means a lot more than the heart, because it's not the hockey writers. It is the players, and the players know the players best. I can't see a way he doesn't win it. He's up against Nikita Kucherov, who led the league in scoring, was absolutely dominant. We know that. Patrick Kane, hell of a season for him too. But as far as being the most valuable player to one's team, I've climbed up to the top of this soapbox before. You've heard me do it. Connor McDavid should capture this quite handily. All right, now we got you fired up on the text line. Dallas versus Islanders. That one out of uh, Spirit River, Alberta. Stars and five. Ben Bishop between the pipes could steal them one. I love their defense, too. A lot of real good puck-moving defenders out there. Miro Haskinen, uh, John Klingberg. I'm a huge fan of Jamie Ben. They've got what it takes, but they're going to have to first get past St. Louis, and we mentioned how deep they are. You want to talk about a deep defensive core, uh, a hot goaltender, and and some forward depth with guys that can put the puck in the net? That is going to be a fun series to watch. 12-15 in Edmonton. Brendan Escott filling in for Bob Stoffer. When we come back, producer Brad Whisker. We'll talk Leafs. We'll talk about the year of the underdog here on Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 12-18 in Edmonton. It's Brendan Escott in for Bob Stoffer today. Joined in studio by another producer here at 630 Chad. It's Brad Whisker. Again, you might remember him from back in the fall when he was the regular pinch hitter before I figured out what I was doing here. Brad, thanks for doing this, man. Special invite today. I feel honored to be here with you, Mr. Escott. Good. And you know what? I, I kind of I teased it a little on Twitter. You know, we'll, we'll poke fun at the fact. So you're from Ottawa originally. You are a Leafs fan. And from a fan's perspective, let's not talk to a media member. Let's talk to a fan. Give me your thoughts on that opening round series. 
I mean, it's everything you'd expect between Toronto and Boston based on history. Boston still physical. Toronto trying to play the skill game. Game seven, Toronto came out really hot. A few mistakes late in the first period and from then on it just seemed to bury them and the emotions seemed to be taken out of their out of their sails and uh well there we go again game seven and toronto's uh getting ready to play some golf yeah there was a couple plays early in that first period where you watch jake gardner and travis dermott sort of get their wires crossed back-to-back plays back-to-back blown reverses and it ends up in their net and that sort of set the tone for me going forward in that game fair to say i totally agree with you and that jake gardner play was just so tough to watch going around the net and you're looking up the ice, why would you try a no-look behind the net, back pass? It makes no sense. Just send it up the half wall, and if you get it out from there, you get it out, but at least the puck is moving up the ice. And you know what? Uh, I read something from a, a reporter in Toronto, and he had heard from the Boston organization that they had two two points, and they followed through on both of them. One, poke and prod Kadri because he'll lose his mind. Mm-hmm. Well, that happened in game two with that vicious cross check on yeah. DeBrusque. Point two, make Jake Gardner handle the puck in the offensive zone. Look what happened. They took care of both those points and they come out on top. So this kind of begs the question because much has been made about Mike Babcock and, and you know, his whether there's anything left for him to do with this group because it's been four years now. They haven't made it out of the first round. Did he get outcoached, if not just in Game 7 in that series, by Bruce Cassidy? I think to an extent he was outcoached in Game 7, but one thing that I think a lot of people know about Mike Babcock is his stubbornness. And that comes to blending and mixing lines. To me, at some point late in that first period or to start the second period, you have to start mixing and matching because clearly you weren't generating any offense. Trevor Moore was having an outstanding game. I tweeted out throughout the game, I think once or twice, that if I were Mike Babcock, I would have put Trevor Moore out with Matthews or Tavares once or twice just to see. And then... He's so committed to running his lines one after the other, and in the third period, Austin Matthews has eight shifts. He plays about 16 minutes in Game 7. Him, Marner, and Tavares should have been around 20 to 22 in Game 7, especially when you get down 3-1 early in the third. So where do you think they go next? Obviously, they need to uh, shore up the defense because that that cost them Game 7 the way I see it. If not for the coaching and the fact that, yeah, you've got all these stars that you're... They're the reason that this, this might end before it really begins because you've got to pay all these guys and they didn't even play. They didn't even play in the most critical game of the entire season. Like, how do you have all of the big guns under 20 minutes played in the season-deciding game, Brad. It's it's mind-boggling, and honestly, like I said, it just comes back to that stubbornness from Babcock. It's obviously going to be interesting going forward, but for people to think Toronto's about to let Mike Babcock walk, that's not happening. You mentioned the four years. To me, that first year is a wash. He was dealt a terrible hand. He just had to get through it, right? And then the true rebuild started. I think this will be, this upcoming season, 2019-20, that's going to be the deciding factor. If Toronto makes the playoffs next year and they get bounced again in the first round, it doesn't have to be Boston. It could be any team in the East. But Mike Babcock will be gone. I'm, I'm almost certain of that. So we we had them... We're talking with producer Brad Whisker, by the way, right here at 6.30. Chad, um, 
we were talking earlier about how Kyle Dubas and his exit interview today with the media, he took a lot of the blame for that. And I wholeheartedly disagree. As a leader, that's a great move. Uh, but you can't look at what he's done with this team and think that management was the issue. No, the optics look great, like you said, right? It's a big boy move from a young general manager saying, I'm willing to, to shoulder the blame here. He executed moves throughout the season that people did not expect. And that even comes down to the Matthews contract. Everybody anticipated that to last until the summer. It was going to be Matthews, then Marner. And you heard whispers of Toronto looking for a defenseman, either before or at the deadline. But landing Jake Muzzin was sort of out of the blue. Mm -hmm. That was the biggest acquisition Toronto could have made. They gave up a first-round draft pick for a stud, Stanley Cup-winning defenseman with tons of pedigree physical which is exactly what they needed and he has a year left on his contract so i i mean we had discussed off air this exact same conversation and i i I respect kyle dubas for doing that but it's far from his fault all right so let's step outside of toronto for a minute upsets abound it is obviously the year of the underdog was there anyone in particular that surprised you more so than others was it tampa bay Oh, absolutely. I think that's for everybody, right? Some people were saying last night that the Carolina upset of Washington was bigger. I understand that to an extent because they're the defending Stanley Cup champions, but you went 62 games in the regular season. You have to get out of the first round. You, They got destroyed after that. They were up 3 nothing in the first game, and it was what everybody had expected. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay's going to come out, run and gun, outscore you, and play faster, and then Columbus wins. So... That would have to be the one. The one that didn't surprise me, though, was the Islanders. They're just, with Barry Trotz, he just has that team cooking. And I think they could go really deep. You are, uh, you're pretty in tune with hockey history. Would this be the first time, theoretically, if they make the cup final, that a coach would do it in back-to-back years, but with different teams? I don't know for sure, but you'd have to think yeah, so. This is, this is remarkable. unless Because you rarely see a coach jump from a Stanley Cup winning team leaving the year after and then going to another exceptional franchise and do it has to be unless maybe it happened i mean well before our time i'm talking 1920s 1930s when there was only six teams in the league so one thing that's been interesting to me throughout the playoffs is the fact that we've seen contrasting styles win out it's almost circumstantial you see colorado beat calgary with their speed and skill you see columbus beat up tampa bay and that's how they ended up getting out of the first round so there's not really one winning formula per se in the playoffs is there not that I've noticed, and, you know, for for years it was, oh, you have to have bangers. And then for a couple more years it was, you need to play the speed game. That's when Pittsburgh won with when they had Hagelin, Benino, Kessel, and they were flying. And it was like, well, this is the new style now. You have to have this. Yeah. But like you said, every series it seems to be a little bit of speed, but also a little bit of jam, and now it's all coming together. And that's exactly what Columbus has. Like, they're a scary team now going forward. When you want, you don't get to watch them a lot, but man, the mix they have, they have everything you need to, to be a contender. And they have a coach that's been there before, too. And, and you look around, and we mentioned the Islanders. I think Rod Brendamore has done a fantastic job in Carolina. I think coaching has a lot to do with the teams getting out of the first round, too. Oh, absolutely. You, you name those guys. They all could be up for, uh, for the Jack Adams Award this year. So... It's going to be interesting to see how this next round unfolds. I'm going to go with uh, the Islanders, and I'm going to go with Columbus. 
because I can't stand Boston. I'm a little, <laughs> I'm a little biased on that one. <laughs> oh yeah, it's been years. We're working on seven plus years worth of time to to really hate the Boston Bruins. Um, if if there's one series you're really going to try and dial into going forward here in the second round, which one is it? I think like physically, the Columbus Boston series is going to have the most grit, nastiness. If you're into that kind of thing, but Dallas St. Louis could be fun too. That's where I'm at. Dallas St. Louis. I think that has everything to make for a seven-game series. I think you're going to have, I mean, there's going to be banging, and there's going to be a lot of scoring, and you're going to get some fantastic goaltending, right? Like, look at the role Jordan Bennington's been on, mm-hmm. and Ben Bishop sort of under the radar the entire year, posting a sub-2 GAA, playing 46 games. You didn't really notice that he was having such an impactful year, so you have a mix of, uh, of everything. Producer Brad, somebody has mentioned you here on the text line. This comes from Dwayne in Edmonton. He said, Muzzin, a stud. Tell your guests to rethink that. Your response? I mean, look at his numbers. <laughs> he has everything. <laughs> he's, he's physical. Yeah. He's smart. He somehow started to pack an offensive punch when he got to Toronto. He adapted to the new style from moving from L.A., very defensive and, and laid back, to going to a sort of a, a run and gun with Toronto. If you don't want him in your top four or on your top pairing, then you're not watching enough hockey. I would have Jake Muzzin on my team any day of the week. Getting ready to wrap it up here with producer Brad Whisker. One final one for you, though. The news of the day in Edmonton. Connor McDavid up for the uh, Ted Lindsay Award for the third year in a row. Um, from an outsider's perspective, he's up against Kucherov. He's up against Kane. you got to figure he's front runner for that award again. I, I think he's a lock. Yeah. I mean, if you don't... If you... If you're Tampa Bay and you lose Kucherov for 20 games, with the amount of talent they have backing him up, they'll probably still win 12 or 14 of those games. You lose Connor McDavid for 20 games, things would get scary fast. Yeah. The only unfortunate thing this year is Ted Lindsay won't be there to to present the award. It'll be the first time because he passed away uh, earlier this year. So um, a different feel to it, but uh, I, f- I feel quite confident that Connor McDavid will be the one getting that. There you go. A Leafs fan, ladies and gentlemen, but one who can admit that, in fact, Connor McDavid in Edmonton is still the best player in the world. We'll leave it there, Brad. Thanks so much for your time. Brendan S. got in for Bob Stoffer on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.